Hello, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. And I want to thank you for joining me today. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. And this episode is sponsored by FHE Health, a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for first responders' needs, including PTSD, anxiety, and substance use. Take the first steps to a better life today by visiting FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. And folks, I want to welcome back to this program, Heidi Marshall. Now, if you're a member back in episode 20, and that's a little over a year ago, um, Heidi came on the show and talked uh, about her story and her struggles with uh, employment and how that affected her at the time. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back. It's episode 20 of great interview. I really re-listened to it today. And it's just funny how a year later I can glean so much out of that conversation that I didn't pick up the the first time. So go back and check out that uh, episode. But what I wanted to do, uh, because in that episode, we talked about how that was a part one, and that we were going to have a part two. And I wanted to wait a little bit because at the time, Heidi had just retired from the Ohio Highway Patrol, and she was engaged at the time to get married. And then since that time, she has gotten married and a little bit of time since retirement. And so a lot of things have changed. There's been surgeries. There's been, well, there's just been a lot in life as, as life happens to do. And uh, we wanted to check back in with Heidi and just get her perspective now that life has so dramatically changed since then and get an update on her perspective and uh, her life and balance and, and all of the things that we talked about uh, regarding, you know, just living a well, happy and balanced life. And so with that, Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I guess I got to correct you right up front because Uh-oh. I guess, well, you know, I mean, a lot of changes over the last year. And I think the biggest one is my last name is different. So I'm now Heidi Ramsey and oh, not Heidi Marshall. Yes. See? I am so sorry. But about trust that. me. Well, a lot has changed. Oh, yeah. So it's even hard for me to remember at times. So, but you were Heidi Marshall at forgiven. the time. <laughs> and now absolutely. you're another person. You're Heidi. Right. Ramsey. That's now, right. but along that line, but you really are a different person. I, I really mm-hmm. feel like today, okay, let me back up a little bit. I just re-listened <laughs> to the episode today. And right. when I was talking to you in the original interview, I said to you, you were not the same person in that interview that I had met when I met you at the National Academy. Now, I'm going to continue with that and say that you are not the same person sitting here today that I interviewed over a year ago. Well, you know, I mean, life happens. And would you believe that it's been five years ago since we met at the National Academy? Five years unbelievable. this month that unbelievable. Uh, that uh, I f- first uh, was able to go to the National Academy, uh, obviously be in your class. And, uh, you know, thinking back, you, I mean, you think about how much has changed in that five years. Uh, but I, I really think that five years ago was really the start of me realizing, you know, how much I really needed to focus back on me because I hadn't for so long. So, <clears throat> which I know we talked about last, you know, in the last podcast, but, but yeah, since then, uh, even since last time, you know, we got, I was engaged at the time, uh, we got married uh, always stressful, 
trying to plan a wedding, but then throw COVID and everything else on top of it. So that made it a little bit more stressful. Uh, but luckily, we were able to have a a, a great celebration uh, March of this year. And shoot, even before then, yeah, I had made I had mentioned last time that. You know, I never even had a cat, so I couldn't even be the crazy cat lady. But now I've got two doxy poo puppies that are running around here and being quiet even as we speak. Uh, so, yeah, between having a husband and two puppies and work and hobbies, you know, things are, are extremely busy, but a lot more to focus on other than myself, finally. Right. So... And that, that's a that's a big change, right? Oh yeah, it's a, it's that, that's a, a huge big change, change because when in the in the last interview that we did, you talked about how your life was so centered on your career, and you were working on a law degree, and you were working on pro- getting promoted, and then working on getting re-promoted, mm-hmm. and you talked about how that was just the focus of your existence at the time. Well, not only that, I mean, but I let everybody else around me basically dictate what I was going to do, right? So I was so focused on uh, how everybody else was acting or, you know, why I wasn't getting this position, what did I need to do, uh, which really was just all those things that were out of my control. I couldn't, I had nothing to do with any of that. The only thing that I could control uh, was how I reacted to it or what I did, you know, to, you know, make myself better. Uh, But through all that, uh, what I was neglecting was myself, right? Um, Which, you know, takes a toll because you, you know, you lose your identity or you think you don't have an identity. And, you know, so really for me, uh, you know, that five years ago was realizing that I needed to do more uh, to take care of myself and not worry about everything else or everybody else. And, you know, having the opportunity in 2018 to retire when a lot of people didn't think that I should. But to me, I needed to take that next step, right? I needed to take that chance. uh, And, you know, things are 150 times better now Mm -hmm. uh, than I could have ever imagined that they would have been. So, so yeah, it's it's been good. So now you're teaching the leading at risk employees course down at the FBI Academy, and, and mm-hmm. obviously a lot of these concepts. You're you're now teaching this to mm-hmm. the students down there. What is it about your life today that you're you're taking from your life and applying it to the students? What are the what are the big concepts? Well, and not only through that class, but obviously the last year and a half. I mean, we've been doing things remotely, right? So. I've had the opportunity, uh, not only through that class, but then to talk about kind of those pillars of wellness and you know the, you know the 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 family, the social, the emotional, the spiritual, the co- you know everything that goes into life, and really focus on what we need to do, particularly in this profession, uh, to uh, to be well. 
right? So we focus on that balance, which of course is easier said than done, especially depending on what's going on in the world and what type of event we have to handle and what our jobs are at the time, whatever, or what is going on in our family life and, you know, illnesses and kids going to college. And there's a lot of things uh, tearing at us all the time, much less, you know, because of this profession. So one of the things that was, you know, weird for me uh, actually just happened a couple months ago and, and, and put it in perspective for me, just kind of how things have changed as far as my life goes. And I share this with other officers, uh, whether in person or virtually. So one of those aspects that we focus on is, you know, our social our social lives mm-hmm. and who are those people that you surround yourself with and are those relationships positive and do you have those folks that you can interact with who you know listen to you without judgment and you can call up and vent to and and uh you know especially when you know things don't seem to be going so well and you trust those people to bring you back uh, kind of to reality if you will And one part of that is, you know, how much do you share with your family? How much do you share with your family about about work or, and regardless of what your job is, how much do you share with with your family about how the events, you know, the historical events, the cultural events, the uh, different things that are going on, how they affect you? Uh, Because we live in this world now where there's seemingly this constant barrage of negativity, uh, particularly against law enforcement. And while it might not be affecting us in our little part of the world right now, uh, we can't get away from it. Back when you and I came on (laughs) this job, what, 26, 27 years ago, We didn't have social media. We didn't have the 24-7 news cycle. We barely had cell phones. Uh, We certainly didn't have, you know, the Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. So I could go through the course of my shift and go home and tell my mom and my sister basically the Disney version of what happened. Obviously, I couldn't do that with my dad because he was a trooper, so he knew exactly what happened during the course of my shifts. But I could give the Disney version. But on top of that, then I didn't have anybody other than my mom and my sister to tell those things to, right? Because I wasn't married. I didn't have kids, things like that. Well, now I'm retired. And I'm not in the operational part of the job anymore. But my husband is. And a couple months ago, uh, he had uh, an officer killed in the line of duty. Now, I had just gotten done with a, a, a webinar teaching, and I get two text messages, one from a friend of mine in Florida and one from his sister in Indiana asking me if I've heard from Mike because they heard there's an incident. Well, of course I hadn't. But now I'm trying to look and find out what's going on and nothing on TV. I go to the Internet and I see, you know, officer involved shooting. There's an officer down. Well, I haven't heard from him, but I know from the pictures that that are online that where this incident occurred is his area 
right? See, see, so I almost know too much about the job, right? So he can't yeah. sugarcoat the stuff for me. But, you know, um, I knew that was his area. And I also know enough about him to know that at the beginning of every day, he gets up out of his office and he goes and walks around to all the different posts. So there's a good possibility that he could have been there when this incident occurred. So for an hour and a half, I don't know because he's obviously not in his office. I know that he's taking care of stuff and I'm not going to be able to get a hold of him. Uh, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, but then a strange number comes up on my cell phone <laughs> locally and I number just have a number yeah. I don't recognize. And, you know, that stomach drops for a second, but I answered it. And it was him. He borrowed somebody else's cell phone just to tell me that he was okay and he was going to be late for work. But at that moment, I sent my mom a message and I said, you know what? I don't know how you did this for 30 years, 31 years. Well, then even more with me on the job. You know, just that constant not knowing, uh, not knowing what was going on and not knowing how those things affected me or affected my dad. But it put it in perspective. You know, we we often, you know, we think so much about the job and we get so focused on the task at hand because that's what we do in our type A personalities that we forget that our loved ones are at home worrying about us, hoping that we get home at the end of every night. But they could care less about how many tickets you wrote, how many promotions you got, how many uh, cases you <laughs> were the agent on, or mm -hmm. how many Intel products you wrote or whatever. All they want is for you to come home happy and healthy and able to make it to the end of your career, able to collect a pension for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Then that's all that matters, right? That should be our focus. So if anything, I try to relay that to the people in in my class in in our classes, right? Because that's what's most important. And we get so focused on promotion and moving up in our jobs and like that's going to be a measure of who we are and a measure of our success that we lose sight of those people who are going to be there when this job no longer is. Uh, and so I guess that, but you know, my own kind of incident put that into a little bit more mm -hmm. perspective, uh, here just a few months ago. So, you know, a lot of that and, and really sharing, you know, for th those who listened to the last, uh, the last podcast part one, I guess I didn't realize that I signed on for two parts. So I, I should have negotiated my contract a Have little bit better. We talked about part three. <laughs> <laughs> That's even scarier. Signed under your contract? Wait, are we, yeah, paying, right. are we paying you oh, for this? Oh, shoot, no. Well, I, I did get a drink, so I guess yeah. it's... I, I gave you some water. I got some water. You get in here? Yeah. And a cookie. Oh, a cookie. Yeah, yeah. Cookie yeah. and Lily's watching the puppies somewhere, yeah, that's right. so that's a good thing. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, sharing my story. And people who come up, I you know, hard-boiled officers who have been officers and you know, type A personalities for how many years? Uh, and after I share my story, then they're willing to share their own. Uh, because one of the statements I made, and we just listened to it, was, you know what? Each and every one of us has something that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I think my story's pretty messed up, but your story's even more messed up than my story. And <laughs> there's a lot of other people who have even more messed up stories than the both of us. So, um, you know, just giving them that outlet, uh, that safe space, uh, which was what you gave me when I came through five years ago. So that, you know, it helped me. So hopefully it'll help someone else. Yeah, that's really what recovery is all about is uh, Bill Wilson's great discovery and gift to mankind is that by helping others, we, we actually help ourselves more than we help other people. Mm-hmm. And you are absolutely right. And I'm front and center to that. One of, one of the changes since the uh, in my life, since we did your, your podcast, is I'm now interning up uh, at a treatment center in Maryland, and I'm with uh, the general public. And wow, I mean, it's, it's really an eye-opener with the not only the addiction issues, because prior to this, I had dealt primarily with addiction issues, in, where I where I was working, uh, but now that I'm working with the general public, I'm I'm dealing with uh, heavy, much more serious and in depth addiction issues, along with in many cases very significant mental health issues on mm-hmm. top of the addiction mm-hmm. issues, and that's really uh, helped me in my own recovery because you know you're right, you just just whenever you think man, my life is going a particular direction I'm not happy with, then you see what other people are going through. And it, it gives you empathy. It gives you sympathy. It gives you, you know, you're, you're, you're doing what you can to help these people. But the benefit is that you really help yourself more than others. I got to tell you, you know, just, just watching you today, it, you're just such a different human being than I first met. No, I mean, you are. And <laughs> yeah. somebody, there's been so much growth that, that, I've, that I've noticed. And I would like to think that there's been some with with me as well, but... Uh, just a radical change. I mean, look at all the things that have happened in in your life. You know, all the good things that that have happened in your life. Um, the the woman that I met when I when I first met you, you were just so focused on the job, just so focused on promotion, just so just very focused on mm-hmm. on that. But you're just so much more balanced in looking after your husband, looking after your dogs, looking after. Um, you know, looking at law enforcement from the outside as opposed to the inside and having those those sorts of concerns. And then the realization that that profession, and, and it, we're talking law enforcement, anybody listening to this podcast, uh, you know, law enforcement is not unique in that. The military is the same way. It's anywhere. Yeah, it's I'm any working profession. with patients. <laughs> I'm working with bankers, air, uh, airline pilots, uh, business people, uh restaurant owners and those people are just as committed to their own professions Mm -hmm. and they identify with whatever it is that they do they identify with that and then when we don't have it then then what and what i really like is the fact that you have found that there is so much more to life because folks i don't care how committed you are to your profession and how committed you think think they are to you. <laughs> the fact is, they're really not. And that's not meant to be a slight on my previous organization or yours. It, it, it's just the way that it is. It's, it's just life. That's the way that it is. It, the, the problem's not the organization, really. The problem is us and our expectations of that organization. Do you agree with that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, in every organization, yeah, I mean, regardless of your position, we think that we are you know, indispensable, right? (laughs) Like we're important and, you know, everything is going to fall, fall apart if we're not there. Uh, And, you know, hopefully we get people to the point where they can just go right in and take our place when we're not there. I mean, that should be the job, especially as you move up in 
or whatever organization you're with. Uh, but you know, I, I would I would make a joke that's not really so much a joke that you know what I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and you know people will mourn, but there's somebody who wants my job. I mean, they were probably driving that bus, by the way. Well, they, yeah, yeah, might have been driving the bus and aimed it at me. But, (laughs) but, you know, I mean, there's going to be somebody wanting the job. And, uh, you know, I mean, heard somebody say that the job posting will be up before your funeral (laughs) or before your obituary is up. Right. So um, it's, uh, you know, that kind of puts things in perspective. Like, yeah, I mean, they're going to find somebody to fill the pieces to, take the place and things like that they'll move on and it'll be like Heidi who (laughs) and and I gotta be okay with that because you know we make the choices you know to retire or leave or you know go pursue other things and you know you just can't look back and can't have any regrets and just keep moving forward right you know that's all any of us can do So. so let me ask you you don't have an addiction issue Right, not a substance addiction issue, but oh, okay. we've, well, I mean we've well, we've uh, talked about my exercise issues. You know when well, we talk well, the about the reason I say this, okay, the, because the, the now I know when I when I taught leading at risk employees and and even this podcast. Let's let's be honest, mm-hmm. B- because of my background, uh, we we tend to teach from our perspective, mm-hmm. and you know when when you were in the class when I taught it, it was heavy on the alcohol side. And then when you came in, and others, mm-hmm. there were other people who taught the course. In fact, I just interviewed Art Nieves, <clears throat> who had also taught leading at risk employees, and he had his own perspective on it. And that's because that's how we teach. Now, so it's interesting that you bring that up because the if you're listening to this podcast, you you may be focused on the substance abuse side of addiction, but there are other addictions that are out there. Um, you have chemical addictions and you have process addictions, and what Heidi's talking about would be considered a process addiction. But so we're let me just kind of set the 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 direction of of this question here. Mm-hmm. So the twelve steps can apply to anyone. Even if you don't have an addiction issue, the 12 mm-hmm. steps are really just a good way to live life. It's a really just a good guide to life. So what I was going to ask you is how much, if any, of those principles have you applied to your life in the last few years? And then, you know, maybe address to, it sounds like, because you and I did not talk about this before doing the podcast, obviously there's some concerns <laughs> in the back of your mind. So maybe maybe just kind of tie all that to, together. So, obviously, my first interaction with the 12 steps was just being in your class and, you know, having the opportunity even to go to a 12-step meeting. Right. Because you'd never been to one before. I had I had never been to one. And uh, I still encourage, especially since here recently, a lot of 12-step meetings are on Zoom. So, yeah. I still uh, encourage students to go to meetings, find an open meeting. Uh, just to see what it's all about so that they know Mm -hmm. so that they can if they recognize somebody might be having an issue they can go with them if they need to Mm -hmm. Um, but you know i think you know first of all you know step one admitting you're powerless over whatever right and for me drugs yeah right i mean powerless over whatever and your life has become unmanageable (laughs) seriously i was like the epitome of that because of work i mean i was yeah, I couldn't control every anything. 
that was happening at work, uh, you know, about me, except for me. Uh, but I was so I was so focused on it. I was so wrapped around the axle about everything. Uh, that's unmanageability, right? I mean, right. it was it was dominating everything that I did. Um, but then realizing that, right, and admitting it, and you know, kind of being like, you know what? Okay, uh, it's out of my hands, right? There is a plan. I don't know what it is. Uh, I might not like it at the time, but eventually it's all going to come about. And uh, so I think, you know, when you look at that, you know, steps one, two, and three mm-hmm. I mean, are, are pretty big and, and were big for me. Uh, and shoot, even, even uh, you know, step four and five when we're, <laughs> wait, wait, you want me to share my story with other people? <laughs> it's bad enough I had to share it with you. Really, <laughs> 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 you want me to tell other people about this? Hey, what? Well, <laughs> meeting with me probably, what is this? probably <laughs> adds more to your step four, more stuff to write about. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. Uh, but then, I mean, you had already, you know, you already mentioned it. Uh, you know, step 12. I mean, sharing it with other people. Carrying the message, yeah. Carrying it forward. Uh, helping other people, you know, sharing your experiences with other people uh, because, you know, you don't know who you might touch with something that you say or something that you share mm-hmm. or something that you've experienced. Uh, and I never think that it's going to have an impact on anybody. But then, you know, an email will come out of the blue or mm-hmm. somebody will send me a text message or, you know, come up to me in class or, you know, say, hey, I've been there too. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, there are a lot of people, again, law enforcement or otherwise, uh, but a lot of people that I come in contact with uh, who are struggling, who are struggling and don't feel as if either they have anyone to turn to or to look to. And, you know, if, if anything, maybe it can encourage somebody, you know, hey, she came out okay or he mm-hmm. came out okay. Maybe I can too. So I want some of what they've got, mm-hmm. right? That's big in the in the addiction realm, right? Give me what you've got because you know, whatever I'm doing right now isn't working. And you have to, and to demonstrate that, that to others, yeah. Right, uh, and, and I figure that out. I mean, because doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result certainly wasn't working for me. Uh, so sometimes you got to change up that mm. result is, or that, uh, you know, whatever you're doing as uncomfortable and as scary as it might be. Uh, but, you know, thankfully I had, you know, I got the opportunity. I mean, I had had in my mind that, you know what, if, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't planning to retire. I mean, I had two more years to go so that I could get my full pension. Uh, but I had made up my mind that, you know what, I'm not going to focus so much on, you know, this job or getting promoted here. Uh, if something interesting comes along, I'll entertain it. Uh, and and it did. And, you know, taking that chance, taking that step, you know, retiring from a job that I had two years to go that I've been doing basically my whole life, selling my house, moving to, you know, Northern Virginia uh, and, you know, working in a completely different place. But I think I had, I think I had to do that uh, more to grow 
and be the person I am now, uh, as opposed to being stuck as the person I was five years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, and the 12 steps helped me immensely, you know, in that whole process and just trusting in whatever that plan was and knowing that, you know, things were happening uh, for a reason mm-hmm. uh, in due time, not necessarily in the time maybe that I wanted it to happen, um, but it has happened. So, and now, it's better. Now, you had mentioned, um, so you brought up something that it sounds like there's been some other soul searching since the last time that, that we talked. Um, I, I mentioned addictions, and, and you started to, to mention <laughs> an addiction. Address that a little bit. Oh, so you were talking about the process addiction. And mm-hmm. so, you know, for me, well, five years ago, I mean, just before mm-hmm. uh, I came to the academy, I I always knew that I wanted to try to do a triathlon. Uh, you watch the Ironman championships in Hawaii, you know, on Kona, the brown every Thanksgiving, they show it. And, you know, it, it was always, I'd always ended up crying because you'd see the, you know, the father pushing the guy, you know, his kid in the wheelchair and, you know, pulling him in the boat on the swim and, and pulling him on the bike and all this other stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I want to try that. But I didn't really know how to swim. So six, this was six years ago, six and a half years ago. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for a half Ironman. Because, you know, I mean, why start at a smaller distance, like a sprint distance or an Olympic distance? And, you know, we'll just go for, you know, 1.2 mile swim when I don't know how to swim, uh, 56-mile bike, and a 13.1-mile run. Make, makes sense to What me. could go wrong? Makes right? sense. Yeah. So I signed up for the race. The race was in September. I signed up in January. I figured I got nine months to get myself <laughs> where I could swim comfortably and uh, did that. Did the half. I did a couple other smaller races before then. Uh, but then it's like, okay, what's next? And the next thing is a full Ironman. So signed up for my first full. Uh, did that in September of 2016. Uh, and you would normally think that you know you would complete your first full Ironman before signing up for your second. But no. <laughs> That's how other people do things. Right? Normal people. So that's how normal people do things. Yeah. So I actually signed up for my second Ironman before I even did my first. So, and then at my second Ironman, uh, I think if I remember right, you probably remember this. Remember, I tripped over the finish line uh, because you and your, your family second? were there. Yeah. That yeah, was uh, Lake, Lake Placid. Placid. Yeah. Lake yeah. Placid. Uh, tripped over the finish line and in my mentality you know i can't end you know this iron man season with a trip over the finish line so <laughs> i need to sign up for my next one right so you get the gist yeah um and then you know when you're done with iron man well oh there's this thing out there called ultraman yeah so as if a full iron man wasn't long enough let's do it for three days uh what 10k swim and a 90 mile bike on the first day 172 mile bike on the second day and then a 52.4 mile run on the third day so no, no, in case the, the listeners are wondering why why the, the, it's 52.4 miles because 
52.5 would be crazy. <laughs> exactly. That, that's why it's 52.4, right. because I mean, you don't want to be crazy. We got to cut it off at a double marathon, because anything more would be <coughs> would be nuts. But So yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So did that. So it's always, you know, okay, what's more, what's more, what's more. But again, you know, I mean, I was, I mean, I was still by myself. So all I, all I had to do was train, train and work and sleep, maybe eat every once in a while. But (laughs) (laughs) so that's all I was doing. Um, Then life changes. And the second time I was doing the Ultraman, uh, I realized I was training about a year prior, it was about a year before I was out on a run and I get half mile from home and I take a step and I felt a little tweak in my back. Well, again, normal people would probably have stopped running and turned around and walked to the half mile back home. Uh, but I kept running, got a five mile run in. Cause I mean, you know, I mean my, yeah, my back bothered me, but it wasn't bad enough to stop. Then my left foot started to go numb. Well, you know, I don't need to feel my foot when I run. I mean, I know it's there. <laughs> so it's hitting the ground. I mean, I don't need to feel it really. It tingled every once in a while. Uh, then I went to a chiropractor. The chiropractor said, hey, we're going to send you, you've got your spines a little bit out of whack. And uh, we're going to send you to a, a pain management doctor, not a surgeon. She said, and, and I'll tell him that, you know, telling you to stop running is like not an option or you know to stop doing these things so go get an mri go to this pain management doctor and the first thing he said when he walked in the door uh, was you should not be running or lifting heavy things he said you've got and well and even before he explained anything I mean, I started crying. He didn't even introduce himself. <laughs> so I didn't even know this guy's name. Uh, ex- you know, I mean, he didn't introduce himself. That's the first thing he says when he walks in. And then when I start crying, because I'm like, well, what the heck am I going to do with my, <laughs> with my life? He says, well, it's not like I told you you have cancer. Well, but in my mind, right. it was like he told me that. Right? I mean, he told me I can't do a couple of the things that are, you know, that's what I'm working towards. Now, keep in mind that this was on a Wednesday, a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and I had a half Ironman that weekend, just a training race. So, you know, he told me that I needed surgery, and I didn't believe him because, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, but of course I know more than a medical doctor, <laughs> at least in my mind. So I figured I'd do that half Ironman, and if I did okay, then that doctor was nuts. I didn't need surgery. And I did fine. And I did fine in the other Ironman that I did and uh, and was doing fine in the other races. And then the second Ultraman came about a year and a half later and I realized that I wasn't doing so fine and got halfway through the run on the third day and basically my body said, nope, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to be able to run anymore. Uh, if you do, it's not going to be pleasant. Uh, but I stayed out there, just kept going until they told me I had to quit after 12 hours. Uh, then went to a different doctor that I liked, that I trusted. And he said, you know, looked at the MRI and he has, yeah, you need surgery. And he said, well, I'm surprised the doctor a year and a half ago didn't tell you you needed surgery. I'm like, oh no, he did. 
but I didn't believe him. Because in my mind, you know, I had all these, th- I had all these events planned. Right. I couldn't miss out on all these events. I couldn't defer to next year or whatever. I couldn't wait. I had classes to teach. I didn't, I couldn't take the time to go fix myself. So, or to go get fixed. So I figured it would all just work itself out. But then COVID hit, everything was canceled. So I got the opportunity for a year, you know, to have my surgery and focus on Mm -hmm. me because now I didn't have the fear of missing out on any races because everything was getting canceled. Nobody was racing. Um, So, yeah, so that's, you know, for me where, you know, I go overboard now, you know, I mean, I'm getting back into, into, into training, but not nearly at the level that I was just because of the other things that now I have to focus on, mm-hmm. you know? So my husband works weird shifts and I want to spend time with him in the evenings or on the weekends. And you know, I don't want to put my puppies in a cage when I go for a run or, you know, do a training ride or, you know, something like that. Uh, so I'll do a lot of stuff inside on my trainer and on the treadmill or whatever. Mm-hmm you know, kind of plan my trading around that. And I don't want to go overboard to the point where I was before, where I'm now I'm hurting myself uh, and not paying attention to myself uh, because I feel like I just got to train and train and train. Now, thankfully, my husband knows when to pay attention to me uh, and will actually force me he will make doctor's appointments for me uh, because as I, I got started back training, my right foot was feeling weird. Uh, it had swelled up. I didn't go to an urgent care or anything like that, but then it was bothering me for a few weeks. And he says, I'm making you an appointment. And he called and made me an appointment and made me go. And I mean, my foot was feeling better. It was, it was fine. I was walking on it. Never had any issue, anything like that. And I go and I tell the doctor, I said, yeah, yeah, my right foot was bothering me there for a little bit. And, you know, but it, it's feeling better now. So I don't really think there's anything for you to look at. He goes, oh, no, you've got a broken foot. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, OK. He said, and when did this happen? <laughs> I said, well, as best as I can tell, about a, a month and a half ago. <laughs> so he goes, oh yeah, well, it's already starting to heal itself, but here we're going to put you in a boot and <laughs> you're going to do so, you know, so thankfully I've got now uh, somebody uh, who can actually hold me accountable and make me do those things. So I'm, yeah. I'm focusing on <laughs> the staying healthy and, and doing the things that I need to. So because so we are not good. always the best judge of what's good for us. Right. <laughs> you know, hence sponsorship, you know, in, right. in recovery. And by the way, I want to throw in, because I was around you throughout that whole process. Mm-hmm. And there, there's actually, so the listeners, I want to put this in perspective. You know, Heidi was talking about the uh, Ironman triathlons and the Ultraman triathlons. Uh, but you're forgetting like the dozen or so marathons and half marathons per year you were doing in addition to that. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> to that. train. Yeah, because to train. if I remember correctly, because uh, my wife and I would go out and um, crew for you, um, there was a marathon, I think, that you were having some issues in, and then uh, the JFK 50-mile ultramarathon. JFK 50, yeah. Uh, which, which was prior to that Ultraman where you had issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
those were the signs were there. Right. Oh yeah. All right. Because oh, I remember the JFK because the Ultraman was in February. The JFK was in November, mm-hmm. leading into that, mm-hmm. and you were having some real, real problems then. And I remember having a discussion with you about, hey, you know, you really need to get this looked at, and mm-hmm. and you had a very different mindset back then. It was like, nope, I'll just, I'll just gut, gut through it, gut through it. But um, yeah, looking mm-hmm. back on it, I, I think if that were to happen today, you would have a very different approach. Oh yeah, yeah, it. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you remember all grow. that, yeah, there were a, no, there were a lot of a uh, lot of things. And but that so but tying that back to, do do you think now that 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 was indicative of a process addiction? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and I think now I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because I was. I mean, that's you know. I mean, but f- like I said, I've never had any type of substance issue or anything like that, right? Knock on wood, you know, thankfully. Uh, but I think that, and and also, I mean, combined with, you know, that type A personality that yeah. <laughs> has manifested over 27 years of being, you know, in law enforcement and always, you know, striving to, to be the best and, you know, just kind of that focus. And, you know, that was my way of focusing on something else other than the job. Because I didn't have anything, you know, else to focus on, right? Well, I think that with law enforcement and military people that I work with and, and airline pilots, I mean, it's it, there are other professions that are just as type A, you know, the medical profession and some others. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's why I've always felt like that step one, you know, step one seems easily. I'm powerless over alcohol or fill in the blank, whatever it is. I'm powerless over whatever in my life has become unmanageable. That seems like an easy step to work, but in reality, it's a difficult one, and it's difficult to work with people that are like us because the idea that we are powerless over something is a foreign concept to us. Professionally, it's a good thing that we are conditioned to drive through very difficult things, but when it comes to addiction issues, we are powerless over... Because like you just described, and honestly, is as, as I listen to you talk about exercise and and training and things that was also this kind of mindset i had towards alcohol and that was hey i can't not live with the doctor Mm -hmm. you were like hey i can't not do this this Mm -hmm. is you don't understand this is what i do Mm -hmm. and that that's really the same thing in a chemical addiction too is you don't understand i can't live without this Mm -hmm. right Mm-hmm. And um, so you see the parallels between the two. Well, in fact, when I told you that whole story, the night of that doctor's appointment, you straight up told me I was acting like an addict. I did. <laughs> you did. Yeah. So because did. of how I was acting and carrying on, because, you know, my way to what to uh, get rid of a bad doctor's appointment is to do a spin class and then go for a run. because <laughs> yeah. And obviously the doctor's wrong. Yeah, and we have to be brought to our knees. Mm-hmm. And I distinctly remember when we were at Ultraman Florida that weekend. And before we came on the the podcast here, Heidi and I were talking about that that week or the three days mm-hmm. rather that that the race was going on. You were struggling early on. Mm-hmm. I could tell you were in pain. Mm-hmm. Just I, I I could tell. And it was really starting to manifest itself um, on the bike ride. So it's a two day, two days worth of biking. And then when you got into the run, you were just, uh, 
it was degenerative. Mm-hmm. It, it just yeah. took its toll. And it, just so the listeners know, you got to literally about mile 48, I want to say, of uh, 52.4, I think, is the total distance. And you got about mile 48, and it was just... It was painful. It mm-hmm. was. It, I mean, you were in a lot of pain, but it was painful for us to mm-hmm. watch because you were just really, really working hard and going mm-hmm. through it. It was admirable. I really admired it. But then there was a point, and I don't know at what point it was where you you're just like, "That's it." And I remember you and I had a conversation. You said, "I'm I'm going to go back to the doctor." In fact, <laughs> yeah. at the the ceremony after the event, mm-hmm. you actually told the whole crowd, those people over there pointing at us, told me to go see a doctor. Now I'm going, <laughs> yeah, as soon as I get right. back to Washington, I'm going to mm-hmm. go to a doctor. Yep. And and you did. But that was kind of like your equivalent of, of being the surrender, mm-hmm. you know, the surrender and being brought yeah. to your knees, you mm-hmm. know? Yep. You know, with, with these issues, these addiction issues, and if you're listening, it's important to understand that deal with these issues or... They will deal with you. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In the earlier, regardless we of can what intervene, it is. the better. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, regardless of what the issue is. But like you said, I mean, we we have that mindset. We should be able to, you know, we should be able to take care of ourselves. You know, we're in control. We fix everything else, right? That's our job. They people call us to go fix things, um, but we can't fix ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. If we break an arm, we go to the doctor. If we break a back, you go to a surgeon. Yeah. All right. Well, sometimes some of us do. Some normal people do. <laughs> uh, but when our minds are broke, we think we can fix it ourselves. I mean, why the heck would? Why do we have? You know, we have that thinking when we shouldn't. Right. right? We should be able to uh, allow other people to help us. So yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, and I know that in the treatment center where I'm working right now, that's what I see. The people just have not surrendered. You just have not surrendered to what is obvious. In addiction, I can't stress this enough. I've talked about it on this podcast before. It is progressive. It gets worse over a period of time, never better. Mm-hmm. And there are no exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. None. And, you know, this is this was demonstrated. What I liked about this case was, your case, is it, it demonstrates that it's not just drugs and alcohol. And by the way, by the way, if you get your substance abuse, whether it's drugs or alcohol, into remission, you have to be very, very careful that you don't then revert into a process addiction. Because I, I will tell you in my own early recovery, I would say that I suffered from that as well because uh, I had the same tendencies that, that you have. Maybe not to, to that level because I had you know being married, having kids, and th- there was just uh, things about my life that prevented me from putting him in the amount of time that you did. I would have mm-hmm. if I if I'd have had the freedom to do so, but I just I just didn't. But definitely those tendencies come out and, and it demonstrated I definitely have that addictive tendency as well. And conversely, people that have if you're starting out with a process addiction, you have to understand that you can put that in remission and then be careful going the, the other way right. with the substance abuse. And that's something to be very, very mm-hmm. cognizant of. Folks, what's important to understand is that addiction is addiction is addiction. And if you are genetically preloaded towards this, you have that genetic preloading. And you can become addicted to every anything. I can become addicted to 
uh, nicotine, which I have been in the past, caffeine, which I still am. I, I will tell you this right now, sitting here with a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah, right. is, you know, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, that we struggle with. Um, then you have to be very careful with gambling. That's very, very common mm-hmm. in recovery for people to stop drinking, but then turn around and, and have a gambling problem. Pornography, food addictions, too much, too little, uh, gaming, video gaming is mm-hmm. another one, and all sorts of things, relationships, codependency, you know, on and on and on. There's all kinds of things that we need to be aware of. So with that, Heidi, um, let you take us out. Any last closing thoughts? on A lot of, lot of developments since... It's amazing what a year does. I know, I know, right? Yeah, no, no, a lot of lot of changes. I don't know, I don't know now where we're going to go for part three, but I'm sure that we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to figure something out. But uh, no, I mean it's it's all about you know taking that that first step and admitting right, admitting that powerlessness. We don't like to admit things like that. We don't like to admit when we're not in control or we can't fix things, but. Um, and then, you know, just allowing somebody else to help us and whatever's going to happen, just let it happen. And, you know, if, if you think for one minute that things can't get better or they're not going to get better or they won't get better, yeah, just wait another five minutes and it probably will. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guarantee that, that it will, it might not happen when we want it to, but it will happen. So. Well, what's going to be interesting, having followed sort of your Ironman, Ultraman, um, marathon career, mm-hmm. you just seem so much more happy mm-hmm. as a human being now. And last year, 2020, there was no racing or very right. little racing. Let's put right. it that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. What's going to be interesting now is to watch you in the races and see if you can just enjoy the races now. Because mm-hmm. I will, I'll just tell you as an observer and I've told you this before, mm-hmm. the, the races that, that you did, that I watched you do, didn't seem fun to me. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me like this was your job, this was your mission, mm-hmm. and you definitely were out. And if you didn't perform the way that you had in your mind, or frankly, in your, your how you thought other people thought you should have performed, it was devastating. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see now if you can kind of switch into doing races just for the sake of the enjoyment of doing it, well, and no I matter think, what it what it means. And I think that's another benefit of my husband, who likes to do these things as well. And he goes, "Look, he goes, I just want to do these to have fun." He goes, "I don't care if, for fitness. I don't and, care you know, if I finish last or <laughs> you know whatever." Yeah. He goes, "I'm just there." In fact, he says he wants to retire and be my Iron Man Sherpa full time. <laughs> but I don't think I can pay him enough to <laughs> to right. do that. But. Um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, that's, that's the next goal is just to enjoy it and and enjoy the people around and just enjoy the fact that we can be out racing in person again. Yeah, exactly. And well, tell Mike that is, if I am in, if I have signed up for the same race that he's doing, he can have comfort in knowing that he will not be last. last. If I'm there, he will, he will at least not be last. Because I will take that position. Well, because so. we all know your role in a race is to make everybody else look good. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, that's been sort of the my purpose in life. Right. Actually, is exactly. if, if I'm a, if I'm involved in whatever, yeah. then you'll you'll look good. Right. But that that will be the. It'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. because you know it. I mean, did you do you agree? I mean, it, oh, you yeah, were very mission oriented yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, so, it's great. So that's and the focus. I, well, I'm just so happy that you you've come mm-hmm. so far in this, and it's it's been fantastic. And 
Thank you. This wasn't too painful, was it? Oh, no. Gosh, no. No, but now part three. That'll be interesting. Part three. We'll, part three. we'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> and, uh, well, appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And, uh, folks, once again, this episode has been sponsored by FHE Health. According to SAMHSA, first responders are 30% more likely to develop behavioral health conditions like PTSD. FHE Health specializes in getting first responders better and cleared for duty. Find out more at FHEHealth.com. By the way, um, if I didn't even ask you, if you had, if you wanted to put out any contact information or if anybody wants to reach out to you to get more information about you or uh, what you do, what you teach, all that, that sort of stuff, anything that you want to put out? Uh, so, I mean, I'm always willing uh, to get any uh, comments or if anybody needs anything, my email, I'll just need my personal email. Uh, which has not changed, so don't be confused by the different name, but it's uh, H.A. Marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, 222 at yahoo.com. So, yeah, anything, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And uh, we'll be posting that information as well. So as, as always, I'd like to say I don't represent any group, although I do know that we've talked about groups. We've talked about AA. We talked about the 12 steps. We don't represent these groups, mm-hmm. folks. We're just throwing that out. That is what I practice. But, um, you know, definitely find your, your own path, whatever works for you. But So we don't represent these groups. And I don't represent anyone other than myself. And the same is true of Heidi. Mm-hmm. Uh, our only purpose in giving this information is to share with you what we've done because it's helped us and maybe it will help you too so if we've said anything that does not apply to you or don't, you don't agree with then just discard it but try to take any information that you can use for yourself self and you can help others as well because that's what we do in recovery we help ourselves along the way and we help to impart the knowledge that we've gained to others as well so with that vi- please visit our facebook page which is recovery is possible on our website vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com let me know how I'm, I'm doing and let me know if there's any topic that you're interested in hearing about and i know you want to hear about part three from Heidi. <laughs> we will definitely get that uh we have to wait like another year i guess <laughs> because we'd love to hear from you so take care and we will see you next time